of the night What's up guys? Trying to get my singing on. Welcome to our Monday main event. Yep, the real the, Mr. Mad. How are you, sir? Welcome to the show. You are the first one. Yes, indeed. Not anymore, but you were. How's everybody doing today? Nice Monday. Awesome. As we get ready here, transmitting live from SoCal, Southern California, on this Monday night, November 20th, 2023, at approximately 7.04 p.m., rocking the airwaves with the paranormal, mysterious, weird, cursed, blessed, and all the above. I am your host, Doc. And you can reach me at area code 951-888-0313 in order to discuss anything pertaining to the supernatural, paranormal, etc., etc. The topic for today will be cursed objects, things that happen to have a life of their own and affect those around them. There are many of these effects, but I'll focus on those that are less common. Perhaps you might have heard of them, but I try to steer away from the most common things, you know? Like, I'm not looking to do a whole show on uh, the Bermuda Triangle or flight mh370 things that have been covered broadly there's thousands of videos out there that you can look at so i like to fit in the in the niche of the underexposed if you will you know but here we are it's a nice monday night it was windy all day long here i don't like the wind too much it messes up my hair you know what i mean and uh, just dries the skin too much, then you get all itchy, and uh, I don't like that feeling. Other than that, now the weather's about 70 degrees. We are the envy of the U.S., I think, when it comes to weather in Southern California. And um, go ahead and, uh, as we get situated, you can type in messages on our board, questions you may want to have uh, answered, and... Uh, and also call us with your stories about uh, if you have any stories about any curse objects or anything I like um, I'm gonna do a little couple of shout outs here to our listeners we have the real mr. mad pleasure I don't think I've seen you before uh, thank you for your comments mr. Tim Zoller wacky wisdom He's my buddy. I like Tim. Tim's gonna, I think Tim, Tim has the potential to be a, an awesome co-host. So as we get bigger, I think Tim will be my wingman. We had some fun on, on Friday talking about Mandela effects. 
Um, and then we have Jason Middleton. How you doing, Jason? I don't uh, have seen you either, Jason, so I'm, I'm excited that you guys are here. And I'm excited about the show. Again, call us at the 951-888-0313. It's a Google voice number, so I don't think there should be any charges. And nowadays, calling, uh, you know, calling internationally, I don't think it's that... I don't think there'll be a charge if you call international. I did some research, and I think Google Voice doesn't charge. You can get a Google uh, Voice account very easily. It's considered a VoIP or Voice over IP. So basically, it's not a phone line per se. It's just your voice gets carried out through the mystical waves of the internet and the underground cables that travel the Atlantic. So, um... Shall we get the party started? Our first object of the evening. It's uh, well. I'm gonna let me introduce a little bit of, of of what it, what a cursed object would be, and uh, you know what defines a cursed object. It's very self-explanatory in the name itself. Um. Oh yeah, I know. As always, I if. I want to just kind of get a gauge of how my voice and the music in the background sounds in order to be able to create a... I'll put the music just a little bit low and I want to make sure that everybody's able to hear our show in a tolerable manner and um, in a clear manner. 17 degrees in Vermont. God bless you. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to be in, stuck in that weather. You know, the cold is peculiar because you, you, you can get used to the cold. I, I lived in Chicago for a while. And I remember coming out those frosty mornings when you had to, you know, basically shave the car down and make your way to work driving in minus weather. And then... Um, after a few weeks and a few months, you start getting used to that weather. And I remember when it was when it was forecasted to be 32 degrees, I would be happy. I'd be like, man, I can wear a t-shirt today. It's going to be 32. I wouldn't think of wearing anything less than a, a parka or some sort of um, double-layered uh, sweatshirt if I went on a 32-degree weather here in California. Your body just has a good tendency to get used to extremes and then it, you know, and then you lose that quality. So, yeah. And it's 31 degrees in Ohio. Yeah, so it's, thank God for California. Hey, JD, welcome. I got my regular customers. So, I'm glad to hear, and I got some new ones too. It's a, it's always exciting when you have when you create something from scratch and you start seeing the reception of the audience. It gives you joy, you know, for a task that at the beginning it's there's nothing in it for me. Just basically the joy of having my voice um, being broadcasted out and uh, the joy of discussing a topic that's of interest to me. And so when you start seeing the the blessings that come from 
having listeners and creating an audience it's uh, it's really enjoyable so back to the the narrative here and the question so what are what are cursed objects so basically they're items that are believed to bring bad luck misfortune or supernatural phenomenon attached to them or to those who possess or come into contact with them I'll give you a brief list of some famous rumor cursed objects from various cultures so one of them is it's called the, the hope diamond uh, the hope diamond is a famous blue diamond it's said to be cursed legend has it that it brings misfortune and tragedy to its owners leading to their financial ruin or even death this I did not know was considered to be a cursed object by the terracotta army in China you've seen this this is an underground army of thousands of uh, terracotta uh, soldiers the ancient Chinese terracotta army a collection of thousands of life-size clay soldiers and horses is rumored to be cursed some believe that disturbing the tomb of Emperor Qin Shi Hong where the army was discovered brings bad luck uh, I think I think that disturbing somebody's tomb not only will bring you bad luck but it's downright disrespectful you know there's something called the Vasano vase the Vasano vase also known as the unlucky vase is an ancient Roman glass vase with a dark history it is said to have brought death and misfortune to its owners throughout the centuries so these are some of the things that we'll be uh, looking into today to make the, the show interesting now the show's main attraction it's uh, the fact that we're able to have a live in calling show and I offer that to you it doesn't have to be related to the topic so if you want to call and if you want to interact with me the number is triple a uh, excuse me area code 951 and um, you can either add to the stories at hand or you can just uh, speak about something completely different either way I don't care it creates good conversation and that's what we're all here for so the first I, I, the first one I haven't heard about this one before and I thought it would be our first opening act uh, this is called the cursed painting also known as the anguished man and this is a mysterious artwork which is believed to be cursed causing those who possess it to experience nightmare illness and even suicide I'm gonna go ahead and put a picture for you guys to be able to view it. Okay, so it should be on in a few seconds. So this is uh, this is the painting uh, known as the Anguished Man. So, the enigmatic canvas unraveling the mysteries of the cursed painting. In the world of art and the supernatural, few tales have captured the collective imagination quite like the story of this cursed painting. Uh, there are macabre piece, uh, masterpieces which are believed to carry with them an eerie aura, which both invite calamity and misfortune and even death to those who dare to possess them or even admire them. Among these enigmatic canvases, one that stands out is a haunting piece known as simply The Anguished Man. 
In this research story, we will delve into the history of this cursed painting, exploring the artist behind it, the possible curse associated with it, and the current whereabouts of the painting. To understand the origins of the anguished man, we must first turn our attention to the artist behind the eerie creation. Very little is known about the painter, as his identity remains shrouded in obscurity. Some records actually suggest that he may be, have been a deeply troubled soul, plagued by inner demons and tormented thoughts, which eventually found their expression onto the chilling canvas. So basically, we don't know who painted it. Possible curses that have been associated with this paint. One of the most enduring legends surrounding the anguished man is that the belief that the artist used his own blood as part of the paint mixture. This blood curse, it is said to bind the painting to its owner and inflict a series of misfortunes from unexplained accidents to terrifying nightmares. There's suicidal tendencies. Many owners of the painting have reported a heightened sense of despair and overwhelming depression. And some have gone as far as to claim that the painting um, drove them to attempt taking their own lives. The painting is also a... Uh, has been associated with paranormal activity. Numerous accounts uh, detail the eerie paranormal occurrences associated with the painting. These ranges from a ghostly apparition and inexplicable voices to a persuasive feeling of dread that envelops anyone who comes to its presence. And also there's been associated mysterious death with the painting. A disturbing pattern has emerged over the years, linking the death of several owners of this possession. Uh, while not all deaths are directly attributed to the painting, the frequency of such occurrences remains very unsettling. As of the latest known information, the Anguishman is said to be in the possession of its current owner, Sean Robinson, a resident of Cumbria, England. Robinson inherited the painting from his grandmother, who has kept it hidden away in her attic due to the terrifying experiences that she has endured while owning it. Intriguingly, Robinson became intrigued by the painting's eerie reputation and decided to bring it into the public eye. Robinson's YouTube channel, where he shares video of his experiences with the painting, has gathered a considerable following, attracting both skeptic and believers. The mysterious artwork continues to be a subject of fascination, drawing curious onlookers and paranormal enthusiasts from around the world. <coughs> That's one of the main uh, stories about this. Um, on another website there's uh, further sources so the anguished man is an allegedly haunted painting uh, again owned by sean robinson uh, the painting depicts a humanoid figure with reddish orange skin uh, with empty eye sockets locked in a permanent screen in front of a blue background the painting has become to know as the most haunting painting in the world to those who follow this story What do you guys think in the comments? Have you guys ever heard of the anguished man? Let's go here to the live. Creepy, yeah, it looks uh, it looks a little bit of um, it looks a little bit like the the screen, you know the 
the screen thing but this one yeah this one has a little it's the color combination it's uh, if you're just criticizing the painting as an art it looks it looks a, a bit um, as of the characters a little bit surreal not not maybe humanoid or maybe um, maybe something that would be related to more of a mannequin type as you know nice color combination the painter must have had it you know a good sense of uh, of color that's nice I'm sure the, the, the original painting is more vivid and bright but yeah it does have a little bit of a slight disturbance to it and I personally never heard of this before until now so that was our first cursed object and you know it's uh, not that much information believe it or not associated with it as far as it was hard, it's you kind of get the same story that it was somebody's grandma uh, and it had it locked away but you don't get a lot of um, content so like I said I like to explore unfortunately a caveat from exploring the less known paranormal is that uh, there's there's a lot of lack of uh, lack of information let's see but that gives us uh, if you want to the ability to perhaps uh, research more on our own right Now I'm trying to pick up the second uh, object because the second object I've, I've actually saw a show on it and, um, and I thought that it was very interesting. This is called the Busby Stoop Chair. Okay, I'm going to look for a picture here and we're going to put it on online and we'll be able to analyze it. This, uh, I've seen this one on various shows before, and I know that the chair actually, in order for people from preventing people from sitting, the chair sits, uh, they, they actually uh, hung it on a wall in order for to avoid anybody to, to sit on this chair. So, I'm sure if you're, if you're a fan of the paranormal, you've, you've seen this before because I, I know I, I have. Be putting an image of the chair, the chair here shortly, so you guys can remember. Here it is. Be live in about a couple of seconds. Here we go. Goodbye. Okay, here we go. This is the chair, and I'm gonna try to look for more more pictures, so you guys can have more of a broader aspect. There's a gentleman here posing with the chair and he looks quite quite happy that he's <laughs> that he's in the background and he's able to be pictured with the with this cursed object. Here we go. There we go. So this is the chair itself. Now let's get on with the history of the of the chair. 
And again, I haven't I didn't do any pre pre notes, so that's why it takes a little bit longer than usual to get started. But so the Busby Stoop Chair, also known as the Dead Man's Chair, is an allegedly haunted old chair that was cursed by the murderer Thomas Busby before his execution by hanging in 1702 in North Yorkshire in the United Kingdom. Uh, due to the many death later attributed to people sitting in the chair, the landlord donated to the Trisk Museum. The Trisk, uh, the Trisk um, is actually a town in, uh, in North Yorkshire, and um, you know, in England, and uh, th that's where the, the chair is currently being uh, exhibited, if you will. So if you ever want to check out a cursed object, I mean, you happen to be in England, you might want to check that out. Let me give you a little bit of background on, on the stoop chair, on the Busby stoop chair. So Thomas Busby was arrested, tried, and condemned to death after he murdered his father-in-law, Daniel Audie, in 1702. Uh, both Audie and Busby were running a coin counterfeiting, coin counterfeiting business as well as other criminal enterprises. And they argue about the business with ended, uh, which ended with Busby killing Audie. Another variation of the story has uh, Busby cursing the chair while on its way to his execution, whereas another one says that he was drunk on the chair when he was arrested and cursed it then. Uh, Busby was uh, gibbeted at the San Hutton Crossroads. What does gibbeted mean? A gibbet is any instrument of public execution. A gibbeting is the use of a gallows-type structure from which the dead or dying bodies of criminals were hanged on public display to deter other to deter others um, from potentially committing the same crimes. So basically, basically like a uh, a hanging. So he was uh, gibbeted besides an inn. Uh, later, had its name changed to the Busby Stoop Inn. The site of the execution is opposite the pub on the A16 and A116 crossroads, which is to be haunted by Busby's goats. Ghost, goodness gracious, goats. Deaths. Uh, locals claim that during the Second World War, a Canadian airman from the nearby base at Skipton on Swale went to the pub, and those who sat in the chair never returned from bombing missions over mainland Europe. In the 1970s, some fatal accidents were linked to the chair, and in 1978, the chair was ultimately hung from the ceiling at the first museum to prevent any occupancy, even by maintenance. A furniture historian examined the chair and found it to be to have uh, machine-turned spindles, whereas in 18th century chairs were made using a pole lathe. He dated the chair uh, to 1840, 138 years after Busby's execution. So, in other words. Uh, the Busby chair may not be related to Busby, as we think. This is just the opinion of, of somebody who uh, happened to be in the industry of, you know, of, of fabrication chairs and all that. So, let's see here. There's an, another story. It's related to the chair, too. This is another origin story. This is the, the tale of the Busby Stoop chair begins in the early 18th century in the village of Kersby Whisk, North uh, Yorkshire, England. So the chair was reputedly created by an unknown artisan and bears the distinctive marks of this time. 
uh, with its oak wood construction and spindle type design. There was, however, the chair's connection to a local uh, person that would eventually fail into the realm of the paranormal. So we talked about the curse of the airmen sitting there uh, during World War One uh, and Two that wouldn't come back after their missions. Okay, so not much too much information based on the fact that there was a possible connection to this gentleman that was tried for murder and happened to curse the object and people that have sat on this object have met eerie fates and then in the late 70s it was hung on a wall so nobody else could sit on it pretty interesting and there's a picture of this gentleman here and the chair cool stuff have you guys anybody been there personally go ahead and make make a comment in the in the chat section to see if you guys have, have done it okay cool deal let's see what other stuff we can get in trouble with finding stuff here You guys, the Delphi, I've heard about this, Chair of Death, how about the curve, the Hope Chest of Sarah Cooley? This sounds very interesting. So our third object of the night will be the, the Hope Chest of Sarah Cooley. Let me see if I can find images so I can... <coughs> yeah, I'm having trouble finding a picture of this we might maybe Sarah Cooley you know when I, when I try to look for things and I don't find a lot of uh, internet links then I kind of I probably drop it because it may be just uh, one of these fables that doesn't have a connection it may have a connection to a real story but I would expect a lot of images and a lot of videos but I don't find much in this so we're gonna have to move around move out of the of this one and go for the next one in our line our list we'll talk about the Delphi purple sapphire there's many stones like the hope diamond and there's other stones that I've heard of, they have some curses to it, so let's find out what this is all about. Okay, so I'm going to save an image of this. This is called a Delphi Purple Sapphire. And I'll put an image on the show itself so you guys can take a look while I go ahead and read a little bit about the story about this object. Here we go, the Delphi Sapphire. There we go. It'll be on in a few seconds for you guys. So the Delphi Purple Sapphire, also known as the Gem of Sorrow, uh, this haunted object does not bring accidental death, but instead it brings misfortune and deep sorrow. This mysterious stone is rumored to have been stolen by a British soldier 
from the temple of Hyde Indra, the Hindu god of war and weather, and Kanpur, India, during the mutiny uh, of 1857. Before he left India, a Bengal cavalryman, Colonel W. Ferris, took what he believed to be a purple sapphire from the temple. He then returned home to his family, and as soon as he returned to England, Ferris, be Ferris began to suffer a series of financial misfortunes which brought the family to the brink of collapse. At first, Ferris blamed his own poor judgment, but when every member of the family also suffered a series of debilitating illnesses, his thoughts turned to the gem. His fears were confirmed when he lent the stone to a friend of the family who inexplicably committed suicide. The stone was then, was then given to uh, Edward Heron Allen, a scientist and writer in 1890, and soon after taking possession of the gem, this rational scientist abandoned all reason and began to attribute a series of unfortunate events to the curse of the stone. In 1902, Heron Allen reluctantly agreed to lend the Delphi Sapphire to a friend. The friend was immediately beset by a series of unlucky events. He returned the gem to the Heron Allen, who almost immediately began to suffer misfortune again. Boy. In frustration, he cast the stone into Regent's Canal. Heron Allen must have believed that, the, that he was rid of the curse once and for all. Unfortunately, the sapphire had other ideas. Some months later, the ring was dredged from the canal and taken to a local jeweler. The jeweler immediately recognized the stone as the one he had mounted, mounted on a ring for Heron Allen. Believing that he was performing a kindness, he returned the ring. When much later a friend asked to borrow the jewel, Heron Allen once again he lent it out. This time the unfortunate recipient was a professional singer who never sang again after wearing the cursed item. Exasperated, Heron Allen packed the Delphi Sapphire into seven boxes filled with charms. He then deposited in the safe of his bank with instructions for it not to be opened until after his death. Heron Allen warned that the Delphi Purple Sapphire is accursed and is stained with the blood and the dishonor of everyone who has ever owned it. Wary of its alleged powers, he kept it locked away in seven boxes and surrounded by good luck charms. In 1944, Mr. Heron Allen died, despite insisting that the box containing the Delphi Sapphire should not be opened for 33 years after his death. Mr. Heron Allen's daughter wisely disposed of it as quickly as she could and sent it to the Natural History Museum. There it stayed until 1972, languishing in a drawer until curator Peter Tandy uncovered the sapphire and the strange letter enclosed detailing the peculiar tales of woe. Of woe attached to the stone. It ends, whoever opens this box, do whatever you want with it. My advice, however, is to throw it into the sea. The mysterious Delphi purple sapphire is now permanently on display as part of London's Natural History Museum's wall collection. Rachel returning to India where they got it from. You know, if they can trace it back to the temple, I, I think that was probably... Uh, Unless there's a history of curses prior to that, but uh, I think that would be the right thing to do. You know, there's a lot of a lot of museums have stuff from other countries, and in the last few years, I've heard of a lot of lawsuits of uh, of countries sort of wanting to regain their their objects back. 
case in point, I think there were some items that Rome or Italy was reclaiming from from some British museums. Uh, I mean, how do I feel about that? I feel that items should be where they were, you know, where they were found. If if it's important to a city, let's say that Rome. I mean, every city gets uh, pillaged, but uh, if there's art that came out of Rome, I think the, the right thing would be to return it to, to its, to the original land. I mean, that's just how I feel about it. So that was the history of the sapphire. <coughs> Again, excuse me, we're live, and uh, if you guys want to make a call, the area code is 951 0313. Let's see what else we have here. What will be another object that we can speak about? This one I heard of before too, and I've seen a show or a YouTube. Uh, I've seen a YouTube video on it. I'm going to go ahead and this is called the Dybuk box. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. Dybuk, Dybuk box. I'll go ahead and put a picture up of this. I think. Uh, What's the name of this guy, the Paul, the, 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 this guy that boxes? Jake Paul, I think he, he went to actually to the museum where they have this and he tried it and he tried to touch it and he freaked out. I think he has a video online recently about him coming into contact with this particular box. Dybbuk, it's Dybbuk, okay, Dybbuk, uh, so the Dybbuk box, it's a paranormal, okay, so now they call it, a, this, this story calls it a, a, a hoax, but uh, it, it consists of an antique wine cabinet claimed to be haunted by a Dybbuk, a concept from Judaism. So in Judaism, a Dybbuk uh, is a malicious possessing spirit believed to be the dislocated soul of a person. So, like I would say, yeah, so that's what it looks like. The box gained notoriety, notoriety when it was auctioned off on eBay by owner Kevin Manis, who created a story featuring Jewish Holocaust survival and paranormal claims as part of the eBay item description. Manis' story was the inspiration of the 2012 film The Procession. In 2021, Manis told Input Magazine that the Dybbuk box was entirely fictional. So in 2003, writer and furniture refinishing business owner Kevin Manis purchased this cabinet from a yard sale at a local attorney in Portland, Oregon, and began developing a backstory. According to Manis, the carving in the back of it, of its, according to Manis, the carving in the back of it is my carving. 
the stone that was in the box is something that it is a signature creation of mine also make no mistake i conceived the dybeck box the name the term the idea and wrote this creative story around it and posted on ebay Manis auction description included a story claiming the cabinet was previously owned by a survivor of the holocaust in poland who said it contained the malicious spirit of a dybbuk and that the box had paranormal powers and was responsible for its bad luck and nightmares Subsequent owners retold Manis' stories when reselling the item and amplified to make it their own claims uh, of a strange phenomenon. One owner, Jason Haxton, director, director of the Museum of Osteopathic Medicine in Kirksville, Missouri, launched a website that consolidated claims about the cabinet called DibitBox.com that reportedly received hundreds of thousands of hits and created what has been described as an internet legend. In 2004, Haxton sold the rights to the story to a Hollywood production company. The subsequent film, The Possession, produced by Sam Raimi, was released in 2012. Haxton later gave the cabinet to Ghost Adventure star Zach Baggins to display in his museum. In 2018, fans of rapper Post Malone claimed his spread of bad luck was caused by his contact with the cabinet. Okay, yeah, so that's that's what it was. It was Post, Post Malone, uh, not... Um, Jake Paul that, that uh, actually came into contact with the box. So yeah, I guess it's a, you know, it has some negativity associated with it, but it's been dismissed as a hoax. Anyways, it makes an interesting story. <coughs> you know, this one, let's see. This one, it's very well known. Um, and I said I wouldn't really expound on things that are very well known, but this one, I, I don't know the full backstory to it, so I'm going to go ahead and and actually uh, read a little bit about it. So this is the Annabelle doll, uh, which is said to be possessed by a malevolent spirit. It was the inspiration for the Annabelle doll featured in the Conjuring film series. You know, these, uh, where's the Annabelle doll? Yeah, it's a Raggedy Ann doll. And it's actually owned by Ed and Lorraine Warren, which are the, um, the investigators from the that particular Conjuring movie. Have you guys seen that movie at all? I mean, the Annabelle doll from the movie that looks nothing like the doll itself. I put a, a picture on it here so you guys can see it. I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure you guys are familiar with it. And in this particular picture, it's a picture of uh, the doll, also with uh, the lady who's, uh, if you watch the movie with The Conjuring, she's the lady in, the, in those movies as well. She's the lady that, that the movies are based on, I should say. And that's a picture of Lorraine, um, Lorraine Warren, okay? So according to the Warrens, a student nurse was given the doll in 1971. 
they said that the doll behaved strangely and that a psychic medium told the student that the doll was inhabited by a spirit of a deceased name, a girl named Annabelle. The student in the room had tried to accept and nurture the spirit possessed doll, but the, role, the doll reportedly exhibited malicious and frightening behaviors. It was at this point that the Warrens say that they were first contacted, moving the doll to their museum after pronouncing, uh, pronouncing it demonically possessed. The doll remained in a glass box at the Warrens Occult Museum in Monroe, Connecticut until the museum's closing. Texas State University Assistant Professor of Religion Study Joseph Laycock says most skeptics have dismissed the Warrens Museum as full of off-the-shelf Halloween junk doll toys book you can buy at any bookstore. Uh, and he actually calls Annabelle Legend and an interesting case study in the relationship between, in the relationship between pop culture and paranormal uh, folklore. Uh, commenting on publicly for the Warrens Occult Museum coinciding with the film's release of The Conjuring, science writer Sharon Hill said that Many of the myths and legends surrounding the Warrens have seemingly been out of their own doings. So another item where a ton of things lose credibility and that many people may have difficulty separating the Warrens from their Hollywood portrayal. It's fair enough. And so, you know, this is the second object that's tied down to a movie uh, franchise. You know, the box that the guy created was turned into a movie and then Annabelle was turned into a movie as well. So there was the picture online. All right. So uh, kind of going back to the chat here. Just wondering why you guys... Um, Jeannie Bado is here. Hi, Jeannie. We talked about you the other day. We are wishing you well. Jeannie is our... British friend, our British insomniac friend, and we wish her well. It's always good to see her here. And Tim Zoller, I uh, got a couple of curves. Call me Tim. Let's talk, buddy. Tim is the de facto leader uh, sidekick for the show. Wingman, I should call him. Tim, my wingman. If you want to go ahead and call Tim, that would be cool. We can talk about uh, some stuff that you may think of, uh, the cursed items. 951-888-0313. So we discussed various objects thus far. And uh, yeah, the, some of them are, you know, come to think of it, the, the, besides the stones, I think the other ones are pretty fabricated there's definitely things that are you know creepy and um, that could carry some maybe what other people could consider bad vibes or but then again I mean you can you know you can give somebody a, a random coin and tell them hey this coin is cursed and then anything that happens bad to them they'll attribute it to the coin when in fact it would have happened to them regardless we just kind of seem to associate or or lay blame it, hum, that's human nature, you know. Oh, we always kind of tend, tend to lend blame. We're, we can never be the ones accountable. We always have to be, it was somebody else's fault or what have you. 
But it's rare to find people that say, you know, I screwed up. It was my bad. That's true. A bit late, but better than not. Yes, Jeannie, that's right. Good to have you here. So, Tim, if you want to call me, that would be cool, man, too. If you have some more, more stories about cursed objects because we're coming up we're coming on uh, 10 minutes till 8 now I've always said I'm, I'm game to stay beyond that but um, if we get calls that is you know because the point is just to get more calls we're getting a lot more uh, listen backs on uh, on the channel which is cool I think I, that should, I think YouTube has the capability to let me know where most of the listeners come from because I'm sure uh, not everybody's, you know, it's in the U.S., case in point, Genie Bottle, but I wonder where else we're getting listened to. That's probably why a lot of people are just either at work or sleeping. take a look at that afterwards so um, I got uh, 11 minutes till 8 if you guys want to go ahead and call and um discuss your thoughts on today's topics or maybe this totally something random i'm grateful for i'll get the call and get you online otherwise we'll, i'll call it a i'll call it a show at eight michaela lyleberg how are you welcome here very awesome to have you so yeah the, these uh cursed objects are a trip aren't they Oh, I think we have Tim on the line. Let's see here. Hello, Tim. Call from Tim. Hello, Tim. Hello. Hey, buddy. How are How's you? How's it going today, Doc? Good, buddy. How was your weekend? Good. How you doing? How was your weekend? It was good. It was a great weekend, actually. Can't complain at all. You sound a little... Good, buddy. You sound a little bit congested. Did you catch something? Yeah, it's just the weather change. So, and I, I'm kind of allergic to my cat. He was just sitting on my lap. So oh I, I just, I'm just sort of having a little bit of allergies at the moment. I was going to say, don't mind me. I'm kind of having like, I don't know if it's a cold or allergies. I can't really tell, but my nose is tickling. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> but, uh, so I'm listening and I was thinking of cursed objects and cursed things that come to mind and i and i one was listening to art bell i can remember a specific episode about a cursed ouija board oh okay well, that wasn't that you know art art bell had a a bad experience with a ouija board i don't know if he ever disclosed it because yeah he he always just he always 
says stay away from the Ouija board. Yeah, no, and I, I, I second that. But he said that he had a he had a very bad experience, but he would never in all the shows that he mentions, they mentioned that he never uh, explained his experience. He would always just uh, change the topic or, or say that he doesn't want to talk about it. So I, I don't know if you've ever heard the show where he actually, um, where he actually shared what, what, uh, I don't know if you heard it. I never heard the reason why he, he didn't like. I'm not it. sure. I, I want to hear it though. I'll probably try to find it if I can. Okay. Well, go ahead, man. I'm, I'm, we're all ears. Well, Again, I, um, you know, like I said, the, the the Ouija board, I think there's like a wooden one okay. from like the, geez, from back in the day that was real uh, cursed. And then one that really stuck out to me, and this is like a, all right, so being here in, in Ohio, I'm sure you, you've heard of the curse of Cleveland, right? As in a city, well, as in like I don't know if you've heard of that. Like a like a, I know the yeah. uh, with a sports city, right? Yeah, for the sports city. So like the Indians, uh, the baseball team, and in, in particular. Yes. Well, there there's a reasoning behind that, and it's ironic that we were called the Cleveland Indians because the baseball field that was built. That exists today, so you could Google it. It's called Progressive Field. You could Google Progressive Field um, being cursed, and it'll come out and just straight tell you like it was built over an Indian burial ground. Oh, that's horrible! And they say that that's why you know we've never won is because we were at that stadium sits on top of, and we were called the Indians, so. You know, that was one of the reasons they said they changed the name here in Cleveland. But they said that, you know, and we went to three World Series, well, we, the Indians, and lost, like, heartbreakers at the very end. So I always wonder, you know, is, is there such thing as cursed stadiums? And... Well, you know, like cursed sports, sportsmen, sports people, and and people people that play sports, they're very they're very in uh, in tune when it comes to, you know, when it comes to uh, curses or when it comes to um, doing things a certain manner. I mean, that's that's very indebted into superstitious. the yeah, very superstitious, and it's very indebted into like the lore. Of, of sports you know like for example uh there's people certain pitchers that you cannot talk to if they're having a, a no hitter um there's like yeah. all, all these rules yeah. that they yeah. seem very weird i'm putting a picture of the progressive field and right across the street actually there's there there is that cemetery so that's eerie yeah and and there's the bridge that separates that cemetery and the stadium and that's what they named this, the new team after is that bridge called the Guardians. Yes. And that bridge actually has the Guardians on it. So there's some sort of, I don't know, symbolism to it all. Right. So that they're probably hoping that the the, the Guardians will be uh, like the Guardians of the team from the maybe from the from the curse or who knows. Yeah. I always heard about yeah. well the, the curse obviously. The, the curse of the Billy Goat, right, for the Chicago Cubs? Yeah, 
Yeah, well, that that's that's I have that written down right next to it. is the curse of the Billy Goat, and I don't know if you want to explain it better. Um, didn't like a like a farmer. Then they didn't they bring one out and bring it out into the field eventually one year. What I the, what I thought it was a, a a gentleman who happened to be like a, of gypsy descent that actually brought his goat to a baseball game uh, back in the you know their. 80 what have you years ago and there was a stinky goat so people complaining they wouldn't allow him to go into the stadium that, that that's what i think uh but you know like we can look it up okay yeah and you know what's even strange about that is so i said the indians were cursed we talked about the cubs being cursed in wrigley field guess who the indians lost to in the world series in 2017 or 16 the, the cubs the cubs right but we we lost at home in Game Seven in extra innings. We uh, beat them at their home every time. So here's here's I a, don't know if that's here's a, the the tale of the Billy Goat Curse traces its root back to the 1945 World Series. Billy Sinus, the owner of the Billy Goat Tavern in Chicago, was a diehard Cubs fan. He attended Game Four of the World Series at Wrigley uh, with his pet goat, Murphy. Uh, however, during the game, uh, his pet goat, it was called Murphy. That was the name of the pet goat. However, during the game, Cyanus and Murphy were asked to leave due to the goat's odor. And Cyanus famously cursed the team, declaring them Cubs they ain't going to win no more. Huh? Well, they never did. It went like, they went like 100 years or something like that. 108 years. There was like one other one. There was like 100 something. Was it, how, how long was it? 108 years for the Cubs. Yeah, 108 years. That's a long time. And then the, I think that happened with like the curse. Yeah, for the Red Sox, the curse of the Bambino. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. Yeah, that's yeah they, that one too. Yeah, so for for you guys that don't know baseball, uh, Babe Ruth is probably considered one of the best baseball players to ever step on on the field. And uh, there's two teams, uh, the Red Sox and the Giants, which have been you know uh, each other's arch en enemies for forever. And um, Babe Ruth was the starting, he was a pitcher for the Red Sox. And uh, the owner of the Red Sox at that time was uninterested in, 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 in spending or putting money in the team. So he decided to ship his best player to the Yankees. And ever since he did that, the Red Sox basically never won a World Series until like 2004, I think. Right. And then what's crazy about that one is the coach who won, who broke that curse was the coach of the Indians that lost in the World Series. You're right. Uh, uh, I forgot his in name. In 2016 to the Cubs. Yeah. Francona. Yeah. From, yeah. Terry Francona. Yeah, Terry Francona. Yeah, right? Yeah, I, I just see all the, all those synchronicities. You know, they're all kind of tied together in a way. Yeah, it's kind of odd. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. This Very is, much so. There's a lot of sports lore and a lot of sports. Like I said, there's a lot of weird ritualistic stuff that the people do. Um, I mean, when you look at a baseball game and you see a pitcher, I mean, these guys, they do like 50 different things all the time, you know? They scratch themselves, they move yeah. their head like five times, they rather show. So it's all like uh, behavioral stuff that they do before Very they pitch. Uh, I agree. I agree. And like, you know, some won't use a certain bat because it's bad luck. So, like, they definitely. Uh, are very superstitious and believe in curses and stuff like that. Absolutely. I'm very much, I'm sure that would. 
Yeah. So I was thinking about that. And yeah, the only other thing really that that stuck out to me was just Ouija boards. Because I know it brings, it's like a, the board alone is a cursed board. Mm-hmm. So it brings curses. Um, I've just heard, you know, so many crazy stories. That's the only, that, that's really what stuck out to me the most when I heard, when I hear curses is, you yeah, know, and I, I think I, it was because of Art Bell's, I've you know. Never, exactly. I've never, I never bothered to play with that stuff. Uh, I was just, and then I, I when I listen to some of the Art Bell episodes, they, they say that, you know, usually a couple of rules that you're not supposed to play by yourself. Um, and then if the if the if the, the the spirit or the entity on the other side of the Ouija board asks you if they can come in, um, most people associate it with them coming into the conversation, but they're actually they're actually asking if they can come in inside of you, which is kind of scary. That's yeah, yeah. Ouija boards creep me out. I've never really been into them either. Michaela. Michaela, if if you've got a good story, call in. I know that's what I'm I, sure I, you would love to hear it. Yeah, me too. I, I wanted I want people to call. I don't. They shouldn't. It's just a phone conversation, and they shouldn't be shy. So I want Michaela to call because JD says that she has a good story, and then George has been commenting. Um, yeah, the, about the Ouija. He said that he was. Uh, he re, he remembers that they had a bad. His parents had a bad experience with it, so they burned it. Um. Yeah. And then, yeah. It seems like a lot of people uh, in the chat are interested about the Ouija board. Mm-hmm. Talking about the Ouija board, and is there any like cursed albums? Like, like uh, I know, like the Bone. I know this is it's a it's a rap album, and it's kind of, wow. It's weird that it's Cleveland. And it's the Ouija board, but there's a an album called East Ninety Nine, which is it's the East Side of Ninety Ninth Street of Cleveland. Uh-huh. But they have this like they have this like uh, curse in the back of the album cover, and if you put it in the mirror, it looks like a crystal ball, and inside of it, it's like this. If you read it, I guess it's a curse or whatever, and then it's like a Ouija board. And they oh, do yeah. some songs about Ouija boards, but they say that if you read it in the mirror, that you know it could curse you or whatever. So I wonder if there's other stuff that you know hidden stuff like that, like albums that if you read it, you know it, it, you're reading some sort of witchcraft or some sort like that. I don't know too much about it, but I'm yeah. sure there's so much stuff out there like that too. I was actually gonna. Um... I was going to make a show about uh, just album covers or, or just weird things related to music. But there's, you know, there's always like the, and I, I, this is, I wouldn't call this curse, but, you know, there's always like hidden stuff on albums. <clears throat> like, for example, uh, uh, Sgt. Pepper's, you know, if you hold it up again, uh, hold it up against the mirror. Or if you have it, if you have a mirror image of that, it, it, it goes with the whole Paul is dead theory. Like there's a lot of stuff about okay. like, yeah there's a lot of stuff about Sgt. Pepper's album that's that's pretty trippy, um, you know they believe that uh, that uh, you're familiar with the whole like uh, Paul is dead right? Yeah, like they say he died in like a car crash or something like that. 
Right. So he said that he was he was actually died in a car crash, and then he was replaced by a guy named uh, um, Billy Shears, right? And um, okay. And so what's weird about it is like if you see you know who uh, George Harrison's wife her name is Olivia. And uh, Olivia Harrison, and then there's videos where when Olivia Harrison actually when he when she says hi to Paul, he call he she calls him Billy. No way. Yeah, he goes hi Billy, but I, I guess so that, that so was that? that that was just a play on for 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 people. It was a play on uh, for people. They said that that you know it was to make fun of the of the curse and all that. I gotcha. But, I was starting to fall for it. I was like, "Whoa!" But, yeah, but when I first saw it, it was. So, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> though, because they they dig into that dark magic. So I wouldn't have been surprised. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, they some of them. So there's a couple of things on the Beatles. On the if you look at the Sergeant Pepper's cover, one of them uh, there's a wreath uh, at the bottom that actually it's a it's a, it's a bass guitar right uh, a wreath and because if you look at the album, it looks like if you were maybe at a funeral. Or if you were like somebody who would just had just been buried, so there's a bass guitar there symbolizing that you know they were at Paul's Paul's funeral, and also uh, where it says "Lonely Hearts" uh, in the middle of the album. If you put a mirror right next to it, uh, the, the reflection spells out "Eleven Nine He Die," like you know on uh, nine eleven nine. Yeah, eleven dash nine he died. Oh so, wow! Yeah, there's also if you look at the album and cover, nine eleven. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I didn't think about it. Well, they're in Britain, in British, uh, in England, in England, uh, they do the the date first, and then they do the the, the month, right? Yeah. So it would have been nine eleven. That date has so much significance to it, like in 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 history, you know. And then the fact that they they programmed everybody with the like nine one one call nine one one when there's an emergency, and rescue 911 so anytime you see the 911 you think of bad so then it happens on 911 yeah, and that's, that's all you crazy. ever think of is bad that's pretty yeah that's oh was, yeah that's true i never thought about you know. that so also getting back to the the cover itself there's like if you look at the cover there's an open palm on top of paul's head and and I think that that meant that you know when when you would put an open palm on top of somebody's head that somebody had passed away or or maybe they're blessing them because they just died. Um, there's like a bloody driver's glove. If you look at the the right side, there's a adult wearing a Rolling Stones sweater, and there, she has she has like a bloody driver's glove on. Um, and the other one would be the the cover for abbey road when you have the license plate of the of the beetle uh car in the back you know the vw beetle uh, uh, -huh. it, it, uh -huh. paul paul mccartney uh supposedly died at age 27 and uh he has the plate says 28 if you know he, he had been 28 if he had not died and it happens to be on a car and um so wait the paul mccartney not to interrupt the the paul mccartney that supposedly died back in the day was 27 also? Yeah, so it would have been part of the 27 club. Yeah, yeah, he would have been part of the 27 club. And if you're familiar with the Abbey Road cover, it also signifies uh, a funeral procession. So you have, 
you have John Lennon dressed in white and he's leading the pack, so he would be like the preacher, right? Then you have uh, right. then you have Ringo Starr dressed all in black, so he will be uh, one of the pallbearers. Uh, and then you have okay. uh, you have John, uh, you have uh, um, you have Paul McCartney that he's wearing a suit and he's wearing no shoes. So usually when they bury a dead man, they don't put shoes on his feet, right? Right. And then you have at the end you have George. Do Hill. they? I'm not sure. That's. That's a good one. And then at the end of the, at, Woody. The, at the end you have George Harrison dressed as the Undertaker, so he's the one that would like you know he's all casually dressed in jeans, so he will be the one that actually fills the grave. Trippy. So if you had to like, I'm some. This is I'm not really familiar with this, so like you're you're informing me now. If you had to like make it make a. Uh, a decision. What do you think? Do you think that Paul? I know a little bit. Do you think he was? There was two of them. Okay, so th this is the. Or do you... I would pretty much believe it's bunk, but there's one thing that um, that stuck with me in regards to like the whole Paul is dead conspiracy, and um, that was his ex. Uh, one of his exes. Why he was married to? Um, one second here. When he was married to Heather Mills, uh, he was married to Heather Mills from 2002 and 2008. And uh, on an interview, they asked her some of the reasons, and she said that she found out the truth. She said that she found out the truth, and she was so disappointed that she couldn't forgive him, uh, and that if she would, she was, if she would ever, ever, ever reveal the truth to the general public, it would be a commotion. And that she actually, to protect herself, that she was able to um, have paper in case something happens to her, that, that she has um, papers uh, proving whatever this thing was that would be able to come to light. Huh. So that would be. So she was going to expose it. She had something that could prove it if anything ever happened to her. She exactly. She had a kill switch. Basically. So let me that, see if I, yeah, that's the only thing to me that lays a little, lends credence uh, to, to this. Okay, one second. So let me, I'm going to play a clip, so stay on the phone, okay? Okay. Let's see if I can. Something so awful happened. Um, someone I'd loved for a long time, I found out, had betrayed me immensely. And I don't mean infidelity or anything like that. Like, beyond belief. People don't want to know what the truth is because they could never ever handle it it would be too devastating and that's as much as I can say oh I go to jail for telling the truth I have protected my husband I know everything and I know the truth I have a box of evidence that is going to a certain person should anything happen to me so if you top me off it's still going to go to that certain person and the truth will come out there is such a fear from a certain party of the truth coming out that lots of things have been put out and um, done. I'm not allowed to talk about it because it's a criminal act. You have no idea what's going on. I'm not allowed to talk about it because it's a criminal act. So that was Heather Mills speaking about Paul McCartney after they divorced. Okay. So... I... 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 Uh, it paused on me right. I didn't get to see it. It paused on me right when you showed it. 
Oh, it, it's going to be online. I, I, it's oh, gonna, sorry. Yeah, it's going to be. But yeah, that's the only thing that leads credence to me uh, in regards uh, in, in regards to like the whole Paul is dead. There are other there are other people that have analyzed this, you know, the style of playing. They've analyzed like some facial features The you know, the when it comes to recognition, there's there's one there's one thing in the human face that that um, that's a dead giveaway for impersonation. And that's the ear. You know, you're, you're, you're yeah, you're okay. the, the shape of your ear is basically like you're it's close to being very unique. And so when you compare somebody's ear to an impersonator, they can look exactly alike, act alike. But the ear is usually where you can give away whether somebody's being impersonated or the real person. And so they've done comparisons of like mm. Paul McCartney's ears, and they they are different, like uh, you know pre pre sixty four and after supposedly the accident occurred. Um, JD in the chat says uh, there's many artists that sold their souls for rock and roll. Oh yeah, definitely. Of uh, I I can think of a couple off off the top of my head for sure that you know, openly say they have, and not just, uh, rock and roll artists. I mean, um, comedians, movies, you know, movie stars, a lot of people have made that pact. Yeah. I think they, so, they have to, I think a lot of those people make either they make, uh, either they make packs or they have to do something that's so compromising to their character that it's, it's used in case they want to go or like, Hey, why are they have something on you? You know? Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I agree. So uh, I agree. So it's a, you know maybe tomorrow we'll do um we'll do a show on the on the Beatles. Paul is dead, so we can explore it a little bit more. That'd be cool. That was interesting. I I don't know much about it, so it's like it's good news for it's like uh, it's a new one for me. Yeah, I know about it, but I never really went down the rabbit hole. Yeah, I you mean, know. that rabbit hole gets deep, man. But uh, just to kind of skim through the surface, there I can probably put something together. Because I was thinking about music. I, was I feel like about... the... Go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like the Beatles are very much a hidden in plain sight type of band. So a lot of that, you know, uh, symbolism, I could see them using that. Because they usually go by the hidden in plain sight mantra. That yeah. was an Al- Alistair Crowley thing that, that they kind of stood by. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's the best way to... Um, I mean, obviously, if all these sleeves and all these records are, are being, you know, approved by the Beatles, obviously, they're, they're kind of tongue-in-cheek about hiding stuff in plain sight. With, uh, adds to the mystique, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of things are hidden in plain sight. Yes. I think that same goes a, a a long way, you know. Yes, definitely. So, all right, brother. So I'm gonna you go know ahead. real fast. Yeah, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say real fast. I was just thinking of this this building I'm in. I don't know if it's cursed, but I'm in like the oldest building in the whole entire city, and this is like. Like I said, in a past show, three presidents came out of the city. So the building I live in used to be a dormitory. It used to be an old folks' home. Uh, 
it's been like a it's had a few different you know uh over like the past 150 years or whatnot so one day i was and i i swear that these elevators there's always something with them so one day and you guys don't have to believe me i don't care it is what it is i was standing there with my headphones on and i was waiting for the elevator for a while and it was taking forever like way longer than it normally should and it finally came and this guy walked off and he was tall um i didn't really catch his face but what stuck out to me was first off he had this like smell about him that i've never like there was the different like an old I don't know, like kind of like your grandma's attic type smell. Okay. Like, and he walked by me. Yeah, something of the sort, you know, like maybe if you found some clothes that were sitting around for a really long time or something, they just had like an older smell to it. Um, it's, it was like strong though. And he walked by, I didn't really get to see his face, but like I got the chill. And I was like, what is wrong? What is up with that guy? He had like, I don't want to say... Like, he had, like, tight pants on that kind of flared out at the bottom. He looked like somebody out of, like, a 70s movie. Really? Or, or like, uh, a dead show, right? Uh-huh. And, you know, being that I am, I believe in ghosts. And I always felt some sort of presence in this building on certain... It's, a, it's four floors, and it's really big. And you have to go down certain floors because the elevator only goes to the third floor to get to the fourth floor. You have to go up the stairs. You have to take multiple elevators. Long story short, when he walked off, I was like, what is up with that guy? You know, so I followed him. Like, you can walk around and you can meet on the other end. So I followed him, watched him walk completely down the hallway. I took a right so I could meet him at the other end where the other elevator is completely gone. I walked around, never saw him again, ever. Never saw him walk out a door, never heard a door close. The no elevator went off. Unless he walked into an apartment right when he turned the corner, I, I swear to you not, I think I saw a ghost. And you never saw this guy, uh, obviously you never seen him again. Oh, no, absolutely not. I, I mean, to this day, I, I get creeped out going on the elevator, and I look for him all. I mean, I ask people, have you ever seen this guy? Nobody's ever doesn't know what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> That's some my, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, and I'm, I'm I, I, on my own. I go, because I, like I said, this used to be a dorm. The only thing I could think of is it might just be like a, I don't. I hate to say it, but like a spirit, maybe of an old college student or something. I don't know, but I mean, if you lived in a in a place that has that once occupied a nursing home and a, you know dorms, there has to be some sort of paranormal activity that goes on in here, and I can feel it more than most. And like I said, I saw that, and ever since that day. I mean, I'm. I literally hate going on the elevator. I try to avoid it the best I can. I mean, it creeps me out even going by. It. Yeah. So no, no I've, I've been wanting to. Te- yeah. 
So what, yeah, what year was that story? You, you, know? Know the, you know the year that you're building that that, that it was built. Um, they had a this summer they had like a historical event here, so it was over a hundred and ten years old. I know that. I think it's like a hundred and twenty something years old. Yeah, it it you know it housed. I, I believe it was like like I said, an old folks home before it became a dorm. So, uh, yeah. So it's it's pretty creepy. Um, it's one of the oldest buildings that in the whole city. So people like came around and were taking tours of it and stuff. That's cool stuff. And I, I would love you know, to one last that. thing. I know you want to get out about the same building. They do Halloween here, uh-huh. and not this year because I felt I, it happened to me last year. So. I saw that. So this, the guy I saw happened last year. Oh, okay. So now on cool. Halloween last year, I'm I I live on the fourth floor now. But on Halloween last year, I lived on the first floor. I I was at a at a party at, with uh, my family. I was coming home and I came in through the back, and I lived on the first floor. But for some reason, I ended up on the second floor, or the third i don't know why uh-huh but i got so lost the next thing you know i'm walking around this building super lost and i'm telling you it was like uh what is that movie with jack nicholson oh the shining you know what i'm talking the shining that's what i felt like i was in <laughs> i mean i'm telling you i was that was the beginning of me going this place because i never felt it i never felt any of the vibes until yeah right now until uh, that day on Halloween, walking around, I, uh, it was, so yeah, there's definitely some paranormal stuff to this building, and I think the elevator's cursed. That's, that's <laughs> that cool. being said, I'll let you. That's some cool stuff. Yeah, man, I would, yeah. I, you should set up some, uh, some cameras or what have you, or have the, hey, one more thing before we go, this is another trippy one, that, now that we're talking about camera, well, that I kind of mentioned cameras. Have you have you guys heard about this? Uh, you, you know the, the the Tesla vehicles, right? The, the Tesla they have a, like a built-in radar. So if you're driving down the road and um, there's a pedestrian, the, the the warning lights of the car will will come on, and then it will tell you like okay. uh, it will show you the shape of a pedestrian, like let's say walking like 20 feet ahead of you. And if it's a dog, it'll show up, it'll show up the shape of a dog. Uh, in the radar saying that there's somebody, you know, there's an animal walking in front of you. There's videos on the internet on YouTube, if you go, that uh, people actually drive, they drive their uh, Teslas on cemeteries and it populates the whole screen with bodies everywhere walking around. Wow. Like the radar picks up all these, like, what is supposed to be like people, like, you know, if you're driving on a, on a, on a regular highway, yeah, it'll, yeah and you, they go, they drive with the setting on through the, through the cemeteries. And there's like 10, 20, like just random, like things would taking the human shape, walking everywhere. Yeah. Look at the, look at the YouTube videos. So they're, tri- it can, they're trippy. It, it can pretty much like break the veil. Yeah. Right. It, like exactly. You're seeing, yeah. Like kind of what's behind the veil almost. Yeah. yeah. That's trippy. I got, I got to check that out. Yeah, so I'm going to check at, that out for just, sure. Just type in Tesla and cemetery and I'm sure you'll be able to, to see all these crazy videos. And maybe one day while I'm thinking about it, we we should do a show about like 
fall like the fallen ones are like uh inter interdimensional beings like what like what they really are and like with the with the pyramids all the way to till to now i think that would be really cool to talk about yeah that would definitely um if that's something you're interested in i i, I don't know what your what you feel about that but so text me text uh, me your uh text me your if uh, well this is your personal number i already have it on file i'm going to text you from my personal number so that way we yeah. can kind of we, we can communicate behind the scenes sounds good sounds good well it was a good show man um, i appreciate you man always contributing yeah yeah no problem everybody that's listening you guys have a good night and uh we'll talk to you tomorrow or i'll okay Okay. Well, Doc, we'll talk to you tomorrow. You have a good night. All right, Tim. God bless you. Thank you for joining. All right. God bless. Take care. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye-bye. All right, guys. So a lot of that's what's fun when you have a, a co-host because you can start bouncing ideas off of one another and you start remembering cool things. Um, so I appreciate Tim for always uh, sort of coming to, to the rescue. Appreciate you, Tim. Thank you. Um, and shows always, you know, shows shows have lives uh, lives of their own. You know, you, you start with a certain mentality of what you want a show to be, and then it just kind of goes on its own little niche. So I appreciate that. Um, don't be shy, guys. Um, we're very relaxed, as you can, you know, you've been listening to the show for a while. If you guys call, it's just, you know, it's a phone call. I'm not going to, I don't, you know, there's you're not going to be on a camera or anything. You're just going to be on the phone. It's a comfortable conversation. And then we... Um, we explore some of the, the cool stories that you may have. So, uh, Michaela, I believe it was. Don't be shy. Just call us next time and we can discuss um, some of the experiences that you have. Uh, yeah, tomorrow. Jeannie, thank you for joining us. George, thank you. JD, always thank you for joining us. All of you guys, I appreciate you. Uh, Clutch, good to have you back. I haven't seen you in a while. Um, obviously tim thank you for for showing up jd we have uh, mike at rbl experience thank you buddy for joining the show and uh michaela lilberg don't be shy call and then uh i should be here uh, tomorrow and um it's the real mr mad was one of our earliest earliest listeners today thank you for joining the show again um i'm gonna sign off this is doc with uh, strange days live so i think tomorrow we're gonna do this whole paul is dead thing so if you guys uh, want to call and join that'd be awesome and uh god bless you guys thank you for joining the show and see you mañana what time tomorrow i come in at 7 p.m uh 7 pacific standard time Okay, so always tend to come in at 6:50 to 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Now I don't know where you guys are, so if you if you guys are still listening, uh, go ahead and put uh, put the country if you want, so I know where I'm getting listeners from, or or put the state. You know that you remain pretty anonymous when you just put a state or a country, so that way I kind of know. And um, yeah, so. Wow, that's late for you, Jeannie, huh? But I appreciate you always listening. Uh, thank you guys again. And um, signing off from Southern California, Strange Days Live. Bye-bye, guys.